I'm Vincent Richter with Richter Farm and Ranch in Thrall, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time to take in another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas sugarcane harvest is wrapping up. You know, we don't think about sugarcane very often when we talk about Texas agriculture, probably because it's all concentrated in a very small area of the Rio Grande Valley. But it is a big part of agriculture in that part of the state, and we'll check in with one Valley sugarcane producer to see what type of year he's had as he wraps up his harvest. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Keeping the millers and the bakers happy is a major objective for wheat breeders these days. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear from a top Texas High Plains wheat breeder. The importance of research for agricultural commodities across the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Supply chain disruptions have become a widely discussed issue among all aspects of agricultural production and even railway operators are feeling the crunch. I'm Michael Clements and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We grow a large variety of crops here in Texas, and that includes sugarcane. All of that sugarcane crop is concentrated in a small area of the Rio Grande Valley. One of those farmers is Sam Sparks in the Mercedes area. He says sugarcane harvest started way back in October, and it'll wrap up here in a few days. It was a mediocre crop. We actually had a short crop down to around 35,000 harvestable acres. I think the sugar mill itself is going to produce somewhere around 1.1 million tons of raw sugar, 98% pulled sugar, uh, which is a little bit below what we'd like to see. We'd like to be closer to that 1.5, 1.6 million um, tons of raw sugar, but um, the outlook is good. Sparks says one bright spot is that sugar prices are very good right now. Cow herds across Texas are shrinking as the drought continues to take a toll and cattlemen thin their herds. At the recent Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Convention in Fort Worth, CattleFax CEO Randy Block told Texas cattlemen that cattle producers all across the West are culling their herds hard. You know, the drought's been going on here for the last several years, and the beef cow numbers peaked at about 31.7 million head. If I were to tell you where we'll be January 1 of 2023 we'll be back at 29.5 so we're already 
basically two million head of cows off of our peak that we had back in 2019. So pretty significant uh, change in a short period of time. And that's on top of the fact that the cow-calf sector of the industry has been struggling over the past few years to make a profit. USDA says we'll plant 12.2 million acres of cotton nationwide this year, but that number may increase, according to Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson. He says the last time we had a major drought here in Texas, cotton acreage went up. 2011, we had a very, very high insurance price. It was $1.23. Ours is now $1.03, but that's high historically. And we had very bad drought conditions in 2011, and we do now. And the result of those things back in history was we planted an extra million acres of cotton. What they measured in June for Texas was 7 million. What they measured in March for Texas was 6 million. That was in 2011. Robinson says he thinks cotton farmers will take the gamble on increased cotton acreage if the drought continues into spring. Keeping millers and bakers happy is a major objective for wheat breeders. James Hunt visits with a top Texas High Plains wheat breeder. When you hear the word TAM as part of a wheat variety's name, the TAM is an acronym for Texas A&M. Texas A&M AgriLife has produced many varieties that are very popular with Texas High Plains farmers, as a recent USDA survey confirmed. And local AgriLife wheat breeder Jackie Rudd says the effort to come up with additional varieties continues. There's always something new coming out in the variety survey itself, TAM 115 and TAM 205 that were released in 2019 are showing up you know, significant acres already, like one or so percent, and they will increase pretty quickly. So it shows that at least they are already gaining areas. That's really what we want to do is for the producers to grow a range of varieties, not to everybody to grow the same one, but have a range of varieties and just to continue to exchange for the new varieties. So that's really what we want. We have several new things in the pipeline. They'll be, be talking about some even this year. And we look forward to those announcements. Meanwhile, although elevating yields and enhancing disease resistance are still key objectives for local wheat breeders, Dr. Rudd says in recent years, the priorities have shifted to quality. TAM 114, which is now the number one variety in the state, is also the number one quality variety for the millers and bakers for bread making. And the millers actually seek it out in different regions of the country, western Kansas and all throughout the panhandle of Texas. And that's important for them and it's important for Texas that the quality of our wheat is what the milling and baking industry really need. Once again, that's Jackie Rudd with Texas A&M AgriLife. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Agricultural research continues to benefit Texas farmers. Tom Nicoletti has the story. There are various needs in agriculture that require intense research for better overall productivity on farms and ranches. TFB Network's Gary Jorner visited recently with Dr. Cliff Lamb, director of the Texas A&M AgriLife Research Service. Dr. Lamb, your work uh, with your team in the research area, certain things you're focused on now or certain goals that you are hoping to accomplish? So some of the things that we know are important to us are trying to figure out how to improve our infrastructure and capacity to continue to do work that's important to the commodity entities in the state. And so when I talk about the, the commodities of agriculture, we're talking about the livestock and the 
and the crop side, but also vegetables and natural resources. And so what we want to do is we want to continue to develop our infrastructure to be able to move those entities forward. How important is research to a successful agriculture industry? Well, it's significant, right? I mean, uh, if you take, for example, issues that we might have with, say, water, mm -hmm. uh, what we do is generate and we try and figure out ways in which we can reduce our impact on the water or we produce crops that might require less water to grow or we do research that might have an impact on uh, things such as reduction in the need for pesticides or herbicides. We also do a lot of work in terms of trying to figure out how do we capture carbon or how do we have opportunities to mitigate uh, things that might be associated with climate change. That is Dr. Cliff Lamb of the Texas A&M AgriLife Research Service, along with TFB Network's Gary Joyner. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Supply chain disruptions have become a widely discussed issue among all aspects of agricultural production, and even railway operations are feeling the crunch. Michael Clements reports from Washington. Railways are a vital piece of the supply chain and are usually a cost-effective and reliable way to get agricultural goods to their destination. However, supply chain issues have led to an increase in unfilled railcar orders and the cost of railway shipping, according to American Farm Bureau Federation economist Danny Munch. Unfilled orders refer to the number of railcars a buyer, like a grain elevator, ordered but did not receive. When a service contract between a shipper and a railway is not filled, shippers might look elsewhere to purchase railcar access. That often occurs in the secondary railcar market where shippers bid against other shippers for their contracts. Because there are so many unfilled orders, the demand in the secondary market has jumped up quite a bit. Munch says it's part of the overall issue of supply chain disruptions. So many of the issues we've been hearing about in trucking and ocean freight also contribute to these rail service disruptions. There's a significant shortage in rail crew labor, which is expected to be the largest contributor. During COVID-19, railways also sold off a lot of rail cars and other assets during that time of heavy uncertainty. So now they're facing rail car inventory shortages shortages. And then more broadly, you're seeing lockdowns across ports in China in response to their COVID issues, tying up a huge portion of containers that could be used intermodally in our own domestic rail networks. Munch says unfilled and delayed orders means a disruption of the delivery of agricultural products. For example, milling operations reliant on the delivery of grain from elevators are forced to halt their operations, putting the flow of feed to livestock operations at risk. Beyond creative solutions to immediately get rid of some congestion issues, long-term investments in on-farm storage and on operation storage to improve grain storage could help hedge against transportation disruptions. But in any case, improvements are needed soon to prevent further disruptions to the farm economy. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. A virus that has led to the deaths of poultry, black vultures, and eagles in other states has been found in Texas. What is the risk to our wild bird population? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on that coming up on Texas Ag Today. And while that avian influenza could affect the wild bird population as well as our Texas poultry producers, it's not a risk to humans. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. 
monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Avian influenza is now here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says poultry producers are on high alert, but it's not a public health concern. The Texas Animal Health Commission indicated on April the 3rd that highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, was found in Erath County, Texas. Following an increase in bird deaths, samples from the affected flock were tested at the Texas A&M Veterinary Diagnostic Lab, and results were confirmed at the National Lab in Ames, Iowa. The Texas Animal Health Commission is working closely with federal officials and have quarantined the premises, and birds on the property have been depopulated to decrease spread of this disease. The Centers for Disease Control indicates the recent HPAI infections do not represent a public health concern as no human cases have been detected in the United States. It is recommended to use proper handling and cooking techniques for poultry and eggs by cooking to an internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit. The Animal Health Commission wants Texas poultry owners to be educated on the disease and be vigilant in taking steps to protect their flocks. Federal and state authorities are working jointly on surveillance and testing in areas around the affected flock. The USDA has the strongest avian influenza program in the world, and the Texas Animal Health Commission is actively looking for the disease in commercial poultry operations and live bird markets. Avian influenza is caused by influenza type A, which can infect poultry, including chickens, turkeys, pheasants, quail, domestic ducks, geese, and guinea fowl, and is carried by free-flying waterfowl. This virus is a serious problem, so be sure to update your biosecurity protocol if you have poultry. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And, of course, the Texas poultry industry is concerned about avian influenza, but what effect could it have on our wild bird population? Jessica Domo looks at that question in today's Wildlife Report. State officials continue to monitor wild and domestic birds after a positive case of highly pathogenic avian influenza was confirmed in North Texas earlier this month. HPAI is highly contagious and can lead to the illness or deaths of poultry, waterfowl, and wild birds. Sean Oldenberger, Small Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says ducks, geese, eagles and black vultures are susceptible to the disease. In the last month or so, we've seen some significant mortality issues happening, especially during waterfall from Florida and in Missouri and even in South Dakota. So there is a number of geese and ducks that are very susceptible to this and mortality can occur. In Texas right now, it is April. And so the only good thing is we can say is most of the birds are migrating out of Texas or they've already migrated out of Texas. HPAI was found in a commercial pheasant flock in Erath County. As a precaution, the premises was depopulated and nearby flocks are being monitored for HPAI. An official from the Texas Animal Health Commission has told us they believe that the HPAI came from an infected wild bird that came into contact with the commercial flock. Oldenberger said there are still waterfowl in Texas that are late migrators and may be at risk for HPAI. That's why the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department continues to monitor wild birds and respond to any reported deaths. 
deaths. According to the American Farm Bureau Federation, as of April 7th, there have been 600 detections of HPAI in wild birds in the United States. 36% of those were found in the Central Flyway, which includes Texas. We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The agricultural markets did not trade on Friday thanks to the Good Friday holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up the week on Thursday. We'll look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, livestock producers in the Kerr County area have the Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up Tuesday, May 24th at the Hill Country Youth Event Center in Kerrville. County Extension Agent Justin Klinzik is with us. And Justin, what will be happening at the Kerr County Ranch Field Day? I'm going to start the day out with proper weaning techniques for cattle, sheep, and goats and how that kind of benefits marketability. going to discuss impacts of proper grazing and overgrazing. Morgan Livestock Equipment is going to bring in a mobile working pen, and we're going to get to do some live cattle handling and demonstrations with that. Dr. Joe Passel is going to talk about the benefits of pregnancy testing and demonstrate the IDEX alert pregnancy blood test. And we're going to round out the day with Dr. Sonia Swiger from AgriLife Extension, and she's going to talk about parasite control and livestock. The Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up May 24th. If you need more information, call the Extension Office at 830-257-6568. If you would like to have your agricultural event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email, cmartin, C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. All of the agricultural markets were closed on Friday because of Good Friday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up the trading week on Thursday. Starting with the cattle markets, we had a mostly lower close in both live and feeder cattle futures to end the week on Thursday. In the live cattle market, everything was lower except the nearby April contract. It was up five cents, ending the week at 140.67. June live cattle down 45, 136.42, while August live cattle were down 32, 138.32. The feeder cattle market lower across the board Thursday. April feeders down 35 at 158.20. May feeder cattle down 17, 161.77, while August feeders dropped seven cents, one. 74.35. Cash fed cattle market finally managed to add a dollar last week. We've been at 138 on fed cattle for the last three or four weeks. However, this past week, we finally got another buck out of the Packers, most of our cattle selling at 139. Now, we did have some reports of 140, but the majority of our cattle over the past week selling for 139, that's $1 higher than the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday. Choice was down 50 cents at 271.86. Select up 34 259.71. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Jim Wheeler from Atascosa Livestock. They sell them on Tuesday. Jim, how was your last Tuesday sale? 
market's still holding up very well. Packer cow market was good. Had a dollar sixty four on them. For the way the conditions are down here, we've got a very good market, I would say. Well, let's walk the pins. All right. Ended up with 534 head, 179 were steers, 151 heifers, 173 cows, and 27 bulls. Steer side, two to three weights, $1.65 to $2.10. Heifers were $1.50 to $2.00. Three to four weight steers, $1.60 to $1.95. Heifers were $1.40 to $1.75. Four to five weight steers, $1.45 to $1.90. Heifers were $1.30 to $1.67. Five to six weight steers, $1.35 to $1.80. Heifers were $1.20 to $1.55. Six seven weight steers, $1.20 to $1.60. Heifers were $1.15 to $1.40. Seven to eight weight steers, $1.10 to $1.42. Heifers were $1.05 to $1.25. Four, eight to nine weight steers, a dollar to a dollar thirty-two, and the heifers were eighty-five to a dollar. What they have on cows? One sixty-four yesterday. Best packer cow brought ninety-five bucks. Best bull brought dollar fifteen and a half. Sold bred cows anywhere from six hundred to eleven fifty, and we kept a few pairs together. They brought from nine seventy-five to thirteen fifty. Regular sale schedule next week. Yes, sir. We will be open on Sunday to receive cattle when uh, everybody gets through with the Easter eggs and church. If they want to work a few, we will be here. All right. You know not to hunt Easter eggs in the horse trap, right? Pretty much. They kind of look the same. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Reach us at 830-569-2516. Neighbor, I hope you had a happy Easter. We appreciate you listening to Walk in the Pens. Here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Larry Marble. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Arlene Hogs wrapped up the week higher on Thursday. May Hogs were up $1.22 at one twelve seventy five. June Hogs up 87 118 47 Class 3 milk was higher. April milk up 11 cents at $24.33 a hundredweight. May milk up 29 at $25.46 a hundred. The cotton market closed mixed on Thursday. The nearby contract lowered. The new crop contracts finishing higher. The weekly export sales report Thursday morning did not look all that great, so that weighed on the old crop contract. Also, a hint of rain in the forecast for West Texas in the 6-10 to day forecast. May cotton finishing 79 points lower to end the week at 141.98. October up a point. 128.19, while December cotton was up 30 points to close the week at 122.48. The corn market continued to add gains throughout the week. The last five trading days straight, we've ended higher, and eight of the past 11 days, we've had higher closes in the corn market. Thursday was no exception, with May corn up six and three quarters, 790 and a quarter. New crop September corn up one and three quarters, 748 and three quarters. The wheat market, however, saw double-digit losses on Thursday. July Kansas City wheat dropped 20 and three quarters to close at 11.57 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down 16 and three quarters at 11.04 and a half. In the energy markets, natural gas scoring new highs with May gas up 30 cents at 7.30. May crude oil up 2.70 at 106.95 a barrel. The financial markets wrapped up the week lower on Thursday. The Dow down 113 points, 34,451. The Nasdaq down 292 at 13,351, while the S&P was down 54 points, 4,392. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. 
Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.